Hey folks, welcome to Culture Jack. You're here with Dustin and Anthony, and today is the Friday show. Today on the show, we're going to talk about an event that has had a tremendous impact on the entire globe. Remember, if you like the show, be sure to subscribe and share it with your pals. So get your headphones on, you're about to get jacked. Alright everybody, welcome back, welcome back, welcome back to the podcast. Uh, Like I said in the intro, today I want to talk to you about something that is unprecedented and has the potential to impact all of our lives so dramatically. Uh, And really, we have never seen anything like it, and the emotional roller coaster that I've been on, that I'm sure you've been on, has been quite a wild ride. And in the current situation that is playing out all over the world and that has us all on edge, uh, it's got us just begging for more details, piece by piece, piece, whatever we can get, we want, we want to learn more. And before I get into that though, I, I, I don't want to get ahead of myself. Anthony had asked me what I was doing to stay fit and active while all of us have been in lockdown. (laughs) and uh you know if we're being perfectly honest here i uh i haven't been fit in over a decade (laughs) um anthony honestly though i was built for this isolation in my early 20s i began collecting dumbbells not to not to work out with uh, but because i had a lot of things i needed held down like tarps and paperworks enemies of the nation but I, I have all these dumbbells that I have used to varying degrees in the past years uh, in my garage, so I can use those. Um, I also have a sweet treadmill uh, that we have in the garage that we bought just in time for the apocalypse, bought it a few months ago. And uh, so there's that. I, I have a, a nice little, I wouldn't say home gym, but I've got enough um, to, to stay active and, and keep up on those things if I want to if I want to being the key, the key term there. Uh, but no, I haven't been using those things. What we've been using, mostly the kids and myself, we've actually been using the Xbox to stay active. So I have the Xbox one X, but, um, my old Xbox one has the connect, the motion sensing device that you can hook up to it. And we have been dancing our butts off with Just Dance. Uh, it's a 2016 version, so a lot of the songs are a little dated, but we've been doing that. And there's another game that we've been playing a lot of called Kung Fu High Impact. And this one, your body is superimposed into the game, so you're on the screen there, and you fight hordes of monsters and ninjas and demons. The controls for it are not the greatest, Um so you end up getting getting quite a sweat as you as you thrust and kick around uh, in the in the living room. But I'm not here to talk to you about thrusting. I'll do that in another episode uh, because the topic at hand, the one that I want to talk to, that we desperately need to discuss, and uh, of course that is the saga of Spider-Man's cinematic journey, his tumultuous ownerships, and overall why this is the most unique licensed superhero movie character 
in the modern superhero movie genre. And since this is all about licensing, um, we have to start with little Marvel comic books and a little history uh, for the seven of you that don't know. Marvel, near the end of 1996, filed for bankruptcy. They were losing uh, money, and then they were going to try and recoup that money with uh, trading card games, themed restaurants, uh, CD-ROM adventures, but those things were not pulling them out of the hole. And as you may remember, back then in the late 90s, early 2000s, superhero movies as a whole started to kind of take shape. Uh, Marvel had to sell off a lot of their licenses, but uh, Blade, Spider-Man, X-Men, they were finding audiences with some degree of success. Unfortunately for Marvel, uh, these are Marvel characters, they had to sell off a lot of the movie rights to these characters, so they were not making very much money per movie. About $25,000 per film which is chicken scratch in the entertainment industry. Uh, All was not lost, though, because Marvel did, they leveraged some of their lesser-known characters in a deal with Paramount to produce some movies under the Marvel Studios banner with the intention to make a connected universe culminating in the Avengers. And we all know that happened, and it was awesome and amazing. But this meteoric rise of Marvel and Marvel Studios... um, We'll get into that in another episode. For now, we all know the success that Marvel Cinematic Universe has had. The problem, though, is the licenses to some of their more popular characters were now trapped. Well, in in my opinion, they were trapped uh, with different studios. And there were a bunch of different licensing arrangements and deals, but most notably, Spider-Man, with all of his uh, connected characters and, and villains and rogue gallery, Uh, were now under Sony's watchful eye. And the other big one was the X-Men and Fantastic Four. Uh, They were then owned by Fox with all of their character settings, villains, and plots uh, that could be adapted for movies. And so these kind of disparate deals led to real separate aesthetics in the movies. So Marvel Studios... Again, in my opinion, and I think a lot of comic book readers' uh, opinions, stayed true to the vibrant characters of the comics. Where, yes, there was action, but it was also kind of jokey sometimes, and it make you laugh, and it pull you out of it, and have these really strong emotional moments and things like that. Fox Studios, it seemed like, again, to me, and maybe some others, they tried to adapt a more grounded or gritty style for the, for the X-Men. I, I still want to see Wolverine in a, in a yellow suit. Come on. Uh, and then Sony, uh, they took a couple stabs at Spider-Man. Uh, they had the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man, and they had uh, the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man. Both fine uh, series in their own rights, but we'll get we'll get back into that in a moment. Now, I've got no hard feelings against either of the, the Spider-Man movies. Spider-Man 3 was awful, and even though uh, the Garfield Spider-Man was pretty good, like, I liked his character, he did a good job, they tried to cram too much into those movies and to kickstart a universe before it was ready to be kickstarted. You gotta slow roll the thing, just like Marvel did. Uh, DC has tried, and I think they've 
kind of gotten a hook with Shazam and Wonder Woman and Aquaman, but uh, you gotta you gotta take time on these things. That's what the monster universe has showed us. But uh, regardless, uh, the point is there are these three major sections of Marvel characters separated by three major studios: Sony, Fox, and Marvel Studios, which, as we all know, is now owned by Disney. Other individual characters like Namor and Hulk, they had weird licensing agreements, um, but but Sony, Fox, and Marvel were the big three that are important to this story. Uh, this custody arrangement of characters meant that we would never get to see Wolverine fight the Hulk or see Spider-Man have a lunch break with Daredevil. They had to play in their own sandboxes, and that's very, very sad for a lot of the fans. Then in 2016... Something amazing and unprecedented happened. Sony and Marvel struck a deal that would allow a new version of Spider-Man to be used in the Avengers 2.5, or what it was eventually called, Captain America Civil War. This deal would extend to a solo movie that would be produced and creatively directed by teams at Marvel, uh, much to my and everyone else's delight, because Marvel was doing it right. Sony would provide operating costs, marketing, and reap uh, the box office rewards, or at least a majority of them, and Marvel would collect the cash flow from the toy lines, which I was kind of surprised to find this in looking this stuff up. The toys are the real moneymakers of this whole thing. Forget the movies. Like, the movies make some money, but the toys make some money. But in this case, everybody won. Especially us, especially the fans. We've got these characters that were were meant to, they were destined to be together, finally together, uh, for the first time. So, <laughs> I don't know why such a dramatic pause, but there it was. Uh, so that movie released, uh, Tom Holland was lauded as the best Spider-Man to date, and everyone was happy. Like, his Spider-Man was as popular as Ledger's Joker. Like, that was the character. Um... Everybody was happy, and doubly so when Spider-Man Homecoming was released the following year, to both commercial and critical success. Everything was operating like it was a dream. The next year, Venom was released by Sony, uh, separate from what everybody thought was a defining aspect of the character, uh, Spider-Man. You, you, Anthony and I really thought that you would need a Spider-Man to make a good Venom movie. I think we even did a podcast about it. But they they did a great job uh, without. And Sony at the at the time as well was alluding that Venom's universe was quote adjunct to the new Spider-Man universe being cultivated by Marvel. There's a really funny clip online of Amy Pascal and Kevin Feige, and they're they're talking, and she's like, yeah yeah yeah, it's kind of part of that universe. And then his eyes get all wide, and he kind of looks at her like, hey, this is for uh, behind closed door meetings. Thank you very much. Anyway, at the beginning of 2019, uh, we all remember a bombshell happened. Disney bought Fox Studios, or they finalized the deal for Fox Studios. The X-Men, Fantastic Four, Doctor Doom, Magneto, Galactus, all of them would be coming home to Marvel Studios. Uh, Well, economists and market watchers worried over this massive consolidation of the entertainment industry. Marvel fans rejoiced. Their comics could truly come to life again. Disney owned most of the pieces now, and the ones they didn't 
Spider-Man, uh, they were on a good term lease from Sony. So everything was right in the world. And that sentiment was punctuated by Spider-Man Far From Home being released to, again, a stellar reception. But we were all painfully unprepared for what was about to happen next. And what happened next was mom and dad started to fight. After Far From Home made over a billion dollars, the news broke that Sony and Disney were going to be parting ways. It was warfare online. I I, I remember the comments uh, from the, the people taking different studios' sides, and they would echo the same accusations and lob them back and forth at each other. Well, Sony wanted more money. They should honor the deal. Disney wanted more of the box office. Does their greed know no bounds? And so back and forth it went until the CEO of Sony finally said, we should all just get used to the idea of Spider-Man going back to Sony. His adventures would still continue, even with Tom Holland, but not in the established extended Marvel universe. And we were all very, very sad. Well, I, I mean... All y'all were. I wasn't really sad about it. Honestly, this meant Spider-Man can now be in a movie with Tom Hardy's Venom, which is awesome and doesn't bother me a single bit. Uh, I mean, at this point in time, he'd already been in Civil War, Infinity War, Endgame. He'd had two Spider-Man movies that were produced by Marvel. And so we got to see a lot of good Spider-Man in that. And I think at this point, Sony will have taken a few hints or tips from the Marvel Universe, and they would have produced good movies uh, anyway. So now, uh, with him being out of Marvel's cinematic universe and over into Sony's, we can now see him fight Kraven and Morbius and Venom. Sign me up. I'm all for that. Fortunately, or unfortunately, I don't know what side of the, the fence you guys land on this, three months is all it took for the behind-closed-door meetings, and apparently a drunk dial from Spider-Man star Tom Holland himself uh, to the executives to convince them that they're stronger together than they ever could be apart. And bam, just like that, Spider-Man was back in the MCU. Uh, this time, though, uh, strangely, he will also be linked to the Sony-made movies, and apparently Disney's getting a larger cut of the ticket sales, so that beast has been satiated, at least for a little bit. Uh, and I don't know how that's going to work with the two separate universes. Is Spider-Man, is Tom Holland a bridge between these two universes? Like these universes don't interact with each other and the Sony movies don't reference the Marvel movies and vice versa, but they both reference Spider-Man. It's going to be very strange to see and very awesome to see as well. Uh, and so it looks like we're going to be getting at least two more new Spider-Man movies, uh, and he'll play a role in one or two upcoming team-up movies for Marvel and whatever he does for Sony uh, as well. And so, for now, until Disney swallows up Sony on its way to world domination, most of the important toys are all playing in the same sandbox. And so that that is the, the saga of Spider-Man and his, his portrayal, his inclusion in the MCU. And uh, I guess I'll throw it back to my co-host Anthony. Besides Tobey Maguire's portrayal of Peter Parker in your favorite Spider-Man movie, Spider-Man 3, 
What has been your favorite iteration of Spider-Man in modern superhero cinema? And if for some reason this iteration uh, didn't work out, this Tom Holland current iteration, who should be next uh, to play as Spider-Man when they inevitably reboot this thing in 10 years? So that's the saga of Spider-Man. That's my question to Anthony. Uh, a couple other quick uh, news things, news-like things I wanted to talk about, uh, bring to light on the show. And uh, speaking of the Spider-Man universe, another movie has been delayed due to this global pandemic that we're in, Morbius. It was slated to be released at the end of July. It's now been pushed back to March 19th of next year. Other Sony movies have been delayed concurrently with this announcement as well, including the new Ghostbusters film, Afterlife, Uncharted, the uh, the movie adaptation of that video game series, which I believe also is starring Tom Holland. And one I know that Anthony was really looking forward to, uh, Peter Rabbit 2, The Runaway. Don't worry, uh, it's coming in August. Um it was coming in August. It's not coming in August anymore, uh, but it, it hasn't been moved by by that much. It's scheduled to release now January 15th, 2021. Um, so you don't have to wait too much longer, Anthony. I know you're going to be disappointed, but uh, chin up, pal. Uh, Sony also delayed a, quote, untitled Sony slash Marvel film from October of next year. Uh, now it doesn't have a release date at all. Yeah, I don't I don't know if it's Venom 2 or maybe it's a sequel to Spider-Verse. Um and does all the Spider-Man pushing around um mean that they're going to delay the next Spider-Man movie cuz currently it is scheduled for July 16th of next year. Other big movie titles that have been delayed, Wonder Woman 1984 was pushed to August from June and the animated Scooby-Doo I assume it's a reboot. It's like a, a 3D CG animated film. Scoob uh, was delayed as well. It looks good. I'm I'm interested in seeing it, at least when it uh, comes out onto a streaming service. Uh, also, the new James Bond movie, No Time to Die, the new Mulan movie, uh, which doesn't have Mushu in it, so there was no reason to go see it anyway. And you know what? Disney has been reducing the roles of animated animals in their live action reboots. And I am not a fan. I mean, the lion King was terrible as a reboot as the quote live action movie. The, the animals had no character, but a boot, in Aladdin, Iago in Aladdin, Mushu in Mulan. I mean, these animal characters played a big role in these characters' stories. And to just, I don't know, blackball them like they're doing, it's not right. Also, A Quiet Place 2, um, which is definitely a little more prophetic uh, view of the world than any of the other films that have been listed in this podcast so far. And uh, finally, I just want to issue a reminder to anyone listening that uh, if you can, if you have any presence on social media at all, please tweet at Disney, uh, send them a Facebook message, make a YouTube video about it. But we want to see Black Widow out on Disney Plus. So please, please, please make make that happen. 
Uh, some other things, GamesCon over in Europe. It's the big Europe gaming event. Um, they're kind of the equivalent to E3. Uh, they've announced their 2020 event is going to move forward. Uh, it's supposed to be in May, and they haven't said whether or not they're going to do uh, a physical event or try to do a physical event for it, uh, or if they'd go completely digital like we uh, expect E3 and all the showcases and all the different developers to do uh, this summer. I don't know. I, I can't imagine they do a physical event. I mean, just the way all this stuff is going on and the way people are so paranoid about things, we all have access to the digital side of things. Just stream the thing. I mean, that seems like the safest, the best bet for your fans, for your developers, for your publishers, all of it. Just just stream the dang thing. And uh, as, as far as gaming goes, Anthony and myself, we do a lot of gaming on Xbox. And there are reports that demand for cloud services on Xbox have seen a 775% increase during this time where more people are keeping themselves at home and isolated and quarantined. And uh, some of the things that, that Xbox is doing to kind of manage this increase, this little increased load on their servers is to get rid of or minimize some of the things people are able to do as far as uploading custom backgrounds and, and other pictures. And I imagine if the demand continues to be so weighty that uh, other other social media sharing type of things will be next to get the axe on the service because they want to keep up the gaming uh, side of things. They want to keep up the streaming side of things. So I imagine... It'll be probably more of those uh, social and sharing aspects on the on the device. I also imagine that uh, PlayStation and Steam are seeing similar spikes in their services. Huh. Well, speaking of speaking of services and increases, I wonder if the traffic data on some of the most popular adult websites. I'm sure it has to have gone up. It has to have gone up. Oh, and that will uh, that'll lead me into another thing that I want to ask you, Anthony, um, for your next episode, or you know, just put it out there if you've already already got that one in the bag. Uh, what what other services, websites, or other things do you imagine have actually seen an increase in business? since this coronavirus and the the following lockdown. And actually, uh, yes, I just looked it up. Adult websites are seeing increased traffic. Uh, Pornhub has reported traffic spikes since isolation mandates have become more prolific. There's a rumor swirling around that Microsoft is getting ready to buy some big titles from Konami. Uh, to include Metal Gear Solid, Silent Hill, and Castlevania. And uh, who knows? Maybe maybe this is the chance that we're going to get to see the Guillermo del Toro Silent Hill game. Um, or maybe that was just scrapped to eventually become Death Stranding. Um, I don't know. I don't know. And, uh, one more gaming gaming rumor. Well, it's not a rumor anymore. It's actually, um, it's actually been verified. But... A Mario All-Stars 2, if 
any of you old school gamers remember the Mario All-Stars game that had, I think it had Super Mario, it had Super Mario 2, Super Mario World 3, um, had a lot of different Mario games on it. I think they're they're going to be doing that again, uh, coming to the Nintendo Switch. Almost all uh, of the old 3D Mario games are going to get a remaster, or at very least a port to the Nintendo Switch, to include... Super Mario Galaxy 1 and 2, Super Mario Sunshine, Super Mario 3D Land, Super Mario 3D World, and of course the big mama, Super Mario 64. Uh, Yeah, that's that's the last bit of news that I have for you uh, today. Um, Just a, a reminder on the coronavirus, a lot of people are not taking this stuff seriously and it's a real shame because then it's going to go on longer than it needs to if all of us got serious about it buckled down hunkered down stayed home stopped touching our faces washed our hands and were more careful about it this whole fiasco could be over but i fear because of people's indifference because of people's arrogance it's going to go on longer than it needs to and and that makes me bummed out because me and my family are trying to do the right things. And I know Anthony and his family are trying to do the right things. And so all they're doing is uh, punishing the people that are doing the right things. And I heard on a, a YouTube show they were talking about people who are not abiding by the rules now that we're in this pandemic state. It'd be it'd be great if we could say, yeah, just you're just gonna go get yourself sick. You're just gonna go get uh, people that you love and care about killed. But it's not as easy as that. If you are not following the rules, not only are you gonna go get the people that you love and care for sick because you don't know that if you have the virus because it stays dormant for two weeks before it shows any symptoms, you're going to get someone else sick who is going to get someone else sick that they care about that is going to pass away. And so your foolishness is going to cause some real pain and suffering for someone else. So do the right thing. Wash your hands. Stay home. Play more Xbox. And listen to more Culture Jacked. But that's it for the episode. Throw your headphones to the floor. Check us out on Twitter and Facebook at Culture Jacked. If you like the episode, you want to hear more, Make sure you subscribe to the podcast, you share it with your friends, and you tune in next week. Culture Jet. Tech, games, movies, and more.